With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome everyone to our latest editions of BAMS Radio. I'm your host, Judy Armand, here with my producer extraordinaire, the wizard Thomas Watson, co-host, and our third compatriot that we always talk with each week, and uh, that is William uh, Redfish Barger, a uh, member of the 1992 to uh, national championship team that will be honored uh, the weekend of the Arkansas home game. And I know uh, our thoughts and prayers have been with Coach Gene Stallings. Uh, last Friday, I spoke with him actually on uh, the Thursday, the day before. Uh, he was at the county fair. He had a uh, pretty significant heart attack on Friday and has been in the hospital ever since. Uh, had a blockage removed uh, in, in from the uh, from Baylor Medical Center. They uh, transferred him over there and finally you know, found that blockage and took care of it, put a stent in. And I think it was uh, the cause of the uh, other two strokes that he's had recently. But Coach Stallings, from what we understand, is improving. And uh, and I know uh, he's excited about uh, getting better. And uh, they were supposed to, you know, honor him in the 1967 uh, uh, Cotton Bowl team uh, at uh, Texas A&M this weekend for the Alabama game. Probably will be unable to make that. But, again, our thoughts and prayers are with Coach Stallings. And we're going to discuss today – uh, the Alabama mauling 66 to three, and that's what it was uh, against uh, the Ole Miss Rebels. Alabama completely destroying Ole Miss, and I, as I've said many times, the fans of uh, the the Ole Miss fans that were really excited about those back-to-back wins over the Crimson Tide in 2014, 2015. I hope they kept their DVDs because it's probably going to be a while uh, before they beat the Alabama Crimson Tide again. But the Crimson Tide uh, really uh, 125 to three in their first two SEC games, and now they head to College Station a place that they've had success lately, and they've won four in a row in that series. We'll be looking to make it five. And now we're going to introduce our compatriot, William Barger, into the conversation. William, uh, good evening. How are you? Doing great, Dre. Well, and uh, William, uh, just ultimately, first of all, uh, I know uh, you're going to give your sentiments on Coach Stallings. Uh, He, of course, coached you throughout your career at Alabama, and and, uh, I know meant a lot to you. And uh, I know he's had some health issues, but we're all uh, praying that he gets better soon. Well, you know, the first thing everybody needs to understand about Coach Stallings is, is uh, the Grim Reaper is going to have to come up with some better bullets. Uh, he, he's just too damn mean to get to die like that. Um, you know, and, and again, I think that's a you – know, I think he's, he's had these health struggles this year, you know, two strokes back in the spring. And then a, um, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that, you know, after the two strokes that the, the blockage wasn't discovered in his heart. I mean, it's – that's a little disturbing to me, you know. I'm sure he had a, you know, a cardiologist involved when he had the stroke. So I'm I'm really surprised that they didn't do, you know, testing and found it. Uh, number one, but yeah, uh, you know, say what you want to him about it as a football coach. But man, the, the guy, what really struck me um, about him in the four years that I was with him was just what a wonderful human being he is. Um, you know, I, I've probably come across, you know, some better coaches in my life, but I'm not sure that my path has crossed with a better human being. Um, and I think his, his relationship um, in having a special needs child and John Mark probably had a lot to do with that. 
Um, but, you know, he was a player's coach. Um, you know, he always put the players first, you know, both him and, and Hootie Ingram, the AD. Um, that was the, the biggest takeaway that I could say to people about my experience at Alabama um, was, you know, just, just how much of an emphasis they put on, um, you know, what's best for the players. You know, the players come first. You know, they're the lifeblood of the program. Um, you know, I don't think you're going to find anybody, at least, you know, that was, you know, there with me um, during Coach Stallings' tenure that will have a bad word to say about him. Um, wonderful family, wonderful wife. Uh, daughters, you know, one through four plus John Mark. Um, you know, John Mark was basically a, a member of the team. He was around us and with us all the time. Um, you know, it, it was a great experience. And I think, you know, taking football totally out of the equation. Um, and I think, you know, for anybody that's, you know, played football at any level, you know, high school, college, pro, whatever it was, you know, it, it's not the X's and O's, um, and you have on the field stuff where, you know, a coach has an impact on, on players. I think it's, it's, you know, the, the stuff that they teach you off the field, you know, how to be a man, how to be a teammate, you know, how to be a good husband, a good father, a good friend. And, uh, you know, he, he embodies all of those things. Um, you know, I think the, the coaching profession, um, it is completely different. If Coach Stallings was, you know, 40 years younger and was in, you know, college football now, I don't know how effective his coaching techniques would be, um, you know, with, with, you know, 18 to 22-year-old young men right now. But, um, you know, for the, the generation that I was in and, and when I was at Alabama, um, it was a great experience. You know, there's always kind of been a debate among Alabama fans about, you know, which one was more like Coach Bryant? Was it Gene Stallings or Pat Dye? And I see a lot of similarities in both of those guys. Um, and this is coming from somebody that, you know, never had a chance to meet Coach Bryant or, or spend any time around him. But, you know, taking away the, you know, the experiences, you know, with guys on that coaching staff that played for Coach Bryant when I was there, you know, Bill Oliver, Jim Fuller, uh, Jeff Rousey, Mike Dubos, um, you, you know, there's a reason why all three of those guys were successful. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Coach Bryant has his fingerprints, you know, all over Coach and Coach Dye. Well said, William. I knew you'd have some uh, appropriate thoughts for the situation. And now to switch gears to the University of Alabama, a 66-3 demolition uh, of Ole Miss. And we all felt like uh, we were in agreement uh, going into the game that Alabama was the significant favorite and that Ole Miss had a lot of issues on the defensive side of the football. But I thought Alabama played maybe their best all-around game defensively and completing, completely shutting down uh, a very potent Ole Miss passing attack, holding A.J. Brown to one catch for six yards, uh, harassing Shea Patterson, sacking him five times. I know there had been a lot of you know angst about the pass rush. But I think uh, we saw Anthony Jennings and, and Rashawn Evans there, you know, another week with this defense, uh, and they're continuing to get better. Uh, we, perhaps we're not going to see what we could have seen with uh, Terrell Lewis uh, and, Chris, and Christian Miller on the edges, but guys are starting to get comfortable in their roles. Uh, just, it, and, then, uh, and what a story for Levi Wallace. Uh, you know, we've talked about him ad nauseum, but now uh, two interceptions. He takes one to the house. He's the SEC Defensive Player of the Week. He's tied for the SEC lead with Armani Watts with three interceptions. 
leading the SEC in passes defense. I had a chance to talk to Phil Savage this week at 97.7 The Zone. He, he told me that, of course, in the preseason that they did not have Levi Wallace on their preseason senior bowl, uh, Reese's senior bowl watch list. But he said, we certainly do now. And uh, I made a comment after the game in the press box that I feel like he may be a top three-round draft choice. Uh, the uh, the corner tandem, the only other corner tandem in Alabama that I can kind of remember, even though Drake Kirkpatrick, Kirkpatrick and Daquan Menzi was really good in 2011, but the, the, the standard for me has always been your guys, George Teague and Antonio Langham. Uh, but right now, Anthony Averett and Levi Wallace are making a run at that kind of elite territory. Your thoughts on uh, Levi Wallace and then this defensive performance against Ole Miss? Well, you know, I mean, I guess, Drew, the, the thing that really blew my mind as I was watching that beatdown unfold was, you know, to put this into perspective, um, you know, you could make an argument that maybe Ole Miss should have beaten Alabama you know, three years in a row, you know, 14, 15 in last year. And, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, they lost their head coach. Uh, you know, maybe they've already gotten word from, you know, the, the athletic director via the NCAA that there, there's going to be another bowl ban and, you know, these players can transfer out. But how do you go from being, you know, maybe the most competitive team on Alabama's schedule, you know, over a three-year period to that. Um, you know, I expected Alabama to win the game and win it convincingly, but, you know, not, not by 63 points. Um, you know, and, and what, what really, you know, kind of jumps off the page to me, um, going kind of back to the, the Coach Stallings, Coach Bryant, you know, conversation that we were having before is – you know, I, I, I heard a question as I was driving into work Monday morning um, on Sports Talk Radio. Um, you know, somebody called in and, and kind of started accusing Coach Saban of running up the score against Vanderbilt and Ole Miss. And I was like, wait a second. Um, you know, when you yank your starting quarterback two weeks in a row, uh, you know, not even midway through the third quarter, early in the third quarter, and then you start – you know, making wholesale substitutions where by the end of the third quarter, the second team offense is in there. Um, you know, in both games, you've got your six-team running back uh, and, and Ronnie Clark, you know, just, you know, running at will on both teams. You know, how can you be accused of running up the score? And, you know, I started looking at it, Drew, and, I mean, this is almost ridiculous. Um, you know, Alabama's second-team offense, has seven players, you know, if you want to, you know, line it up the way they line up. I realize, you know, Tua plays with the ones and Najee plays with the ones and even Jedrick Rills gets in there at times. But when, when the legitimate second-team offense is out there, you know, in the third and fourth quarter, there's seven players on that second-team offense that were rated a five-star by at least one recruiting service last year. I mean, that's, that, that's ridiculous. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it didn't really, you know, come, come full circle for me Saturday night or Sunday. Um, you know, once, once I heard that guy call in and, you know, accuse Coach Stallings, I mean, uh, Coach Stallings, Coach Saban of running up the score, you know, I kind of, you know, dug and, and looked at the lineup and I was like, you know, that they've got more five-star players on the second team offense than any other football program in, in the country has on their first team offense. Um, 
you know, number one, that's ridiculous. Number two, you know, kudos to Coach Saban for finding a way of getting these guys involved. You know, and, you know, without, you know, for, for the listeners out there that don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about, you know, Tua, Najee, uh, quarterback, running back, Jedrick Wills, Alex Leatherwood, and then the three freshman wide receivers, Devonta Smith, Henry Ruggs, and Jerry Judy. All seven of those guys uh, somebody thought was a five-star, you know, last year when they were seniors in high school. It's, it's just, you know, I hate to use this term, but yeah, it, it is. It's an embarrassment of riches. And, uh, you know, hats off to Coach Saban for figuring out a way of interjecting these guys, you know, into the offense, getting them on the field, keeping them all happy. Um, you know, because I think he's handled um, this year's freshman class, you know, much, much differently than he did, I guess, with what was maybe the 2013 freshman class where they signed, you know, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Al T. Tenpenny, and uh, Tyron Jones. Who was the other? Tyron Jones. Um and you saw what happened to all those guys. They all transferred out. Uh, but, you know, he's found a way to, you know, get Najee involved. Uh, Brian Robinson, uh, you know, two weeks in a row. Uh, when you look out there and you see, uh, and I thought it was a great moment uh, Saturday night, you know, when you look out there and you see the six-team running back, Ronnie Clark, you know, with two surgically repaired Achilles tendons, you know, get his first career touchdown. And you saw the way the team responded when he uh, when he did that, and I think that's probably the thing that has you know struck me the most. Um, you know, you, you saw Coach Saban back in August during fall camp, you know, kind of hint that that he really likes this team, um, which means you know he likes the way the leadership is handling the team. He likes the way the young players have integrated themselves with the team. And, uh, you know, when you see the way that that second unit goes out there, uh, you know, versus Vanderbilt and Ole Miss, and, and, you know, you're basically saying, look, guys, you know, to Derek Mason and, you know, Matt Luke, you know, I'm calling the dogs off. How can you accuse him of running up the score when he puts his second team and, you know, by the end of the game, uh, third team O-line? Uh, maybe it would have been, you know, less obvious if he had burned Matt Jones' red shirt and threw him out there. But, um, you know, that, that was the thing that really jumped out to me, Drew, was, you know, how did Ole Miss's program go from challenging Alabama toe-to-toe for three straight seasons to what you saw unfold Saturday night? I mean, it's, you know, maybe it's the, you know, the, the recruiting class that they're in a little bit of trouble over that, uh, you know, encompassed Laquan Treadwell, Robert Kimdichie, uh Laramie Tunsil, uh, you know, and those guys. But, you know, that, that that was really, you know, as an Alabama fan, I loved seeing it. But at the same time, I walked away, you know, at midnight when I went to bed after the game, scratching my head going, you know, how do you go from what we saw in 14-15 and last year to this? I mean, it, it really is a mystery to me. Yeah, and ironically, that was the 2013 class for Ole Miss as well. And uh, it looks like, uh, in quite frankly, that they quit. Uh, and the, the biggest uh, example of that, and it was still early in the game, but – when Levi Wallace picked off that pass and took it back to the house, DeMarcus Lodge didn't even pursue him. Of course, the excuse was, well, 
he didn't see him. Uh, he didn't know he had the football, but you still, he should have realized quickly that, hey, you know, that the guy covered me. He's running back, you know, trying to run back an INT, well, you know, with the ball in his, you know, in his possession. And Lodge didn't even run. And then I talked to somebody from the old, from an Ole Miss perspective at halftime. They said, and none of the coaches even said anything to him. And uh, they're just they're right now. Uh, they I think that was the bottoming out that's going to tell you that Matt Luke, no disrespect to him, he loves Ole Miss, but they're going to have to go out and clean house and uh, bring in a new staff. Yeah, and I mean, you know, for a program like Ole Miss, you know, just exactly, you know, how much of a quality head coach can they attract? You know, we'll know more, you know, here probably in the next thirty days. Uh, you know, 30 to 40 days, I think the NCAA is supposed to, uh, you know, give their final judgment against Ole Miss during the month of November. Um, you know, how, how do you attract a quality head coach? You know, I, I've seen all the names that they floated out there, you know, Bobby Petrino, Les Miles, you know, none of those guys, you know, that have been a you know, successful, proven head coach is going to sign up for that. And I've even seen, uh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's name tossed around. And, you know, Jeremy's not going to sign up for that debacle. He can sit over at Alabama, you know, until hell freezes over, making, you know, 1.5. You know, if they go to the SEC championship playoffs and the national championship game, you know, much closer to $2 million a year with the bowl bonuses, um, you know, being Nick Saban's defensive coordinator. Um, and that's not to say that I don't think Jeremy Pruitt's going to be a head coach sooner rather than later, but it's not going to be, you know, in the situation – uh, that Ole Miss is going to find themselves in, you know, come the first of the year. But it just, you know, really struck me as odd how that game played out. And I totally agree with you, um, you know, for, for comments on Levi Wallace. You know, my first comment would be, um, let, let's get the compliance department down there to, you know, dig deep and see if they can find a uh, an extra year, a medical hardship, a red something. Uh, where he's got one more year of eligibility left. Um, you know, the guy's probably, like you said, I mean, he's going to be a second or a third-round pick if he keeps this up. Um, you know, if he if he keeps the same level of play up, um, goes down to the senior bowl, goes to the combine, you know, it could get even higher than that. I mean, the guy's fast. Um, he's got ridiculously long arms, you know, which is what you look for, you know, in a corner having that length. Uh, you, you saw those long arms come into play on that, that interception, that pick six that he had on DeMarcus Lodge and Shea Patterson, you know, on the play that Lodge quit on that you, uh, you know, you talked about a minute ago. But, you know, I, I just, you know, you, you look at, at what's going on over there with that old Miss team and you see guys like, you know, Greg Little and Benito Jones and Shea Patterson, A.J. Brown, you know, that could have gone anywhere in the country that they wanted to. And you just have to kind of hope. Um, you know, that the NCAA, you know, does, you know, drop the hammer on them. So those guys have an opportunity to transfer, you know, wherever they want to without having to sit out a year because there's a lot of good football players, you know, within that program. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, they're left without anything to play for. I mean, that, thing's, that, that program's going to get gutted. I mean, I, I really think that, you know, when the, the NCAA does their job next month, I expect it to be, uh, basically the same thing that USC got over Reggie uh, Bush. Name Reggie Bush. Bush, yeah. Yeah, and i got to tell you too, William, i got two other thoughts uh, that I wanted to get uh, your take on, but I think uh, you could see A.J. Brown and Benito Jones draw interest uh, from Alabama should they want to leave the program. Benito Jones, an interior defensive lineman, which – 
Alabama, you know, they, I think they're going to sign, you know, four defensive linemen in this class right now. I think it, the, the safe bets are Bobby Brown, Caleb Tremblay, uh, and uh, Stephon Wynn, and probably the people, the one people forget, Jerez Parks, who's definitely going to be a defensive lineman. But I could see a Benito Jones being added almost like a junior college transfer. And then A.J. Brown, there's some smoke around him. Uh, he was spending a lot of time with our guys, almost went back into our tunnel after the game. Uh, I don't think he'll stay at Ole Miss uh, if they get another bowl ban. A lot of smoke around Demarcus Lodge, too, and Shea Patterson. Uh, but uh, I will say this, too, William. Uh, I-, I wanted to ask you, though, about Jeremy Pruitt. I completely agree. Pruitt's name was brought up to me in the press box. I agree he wouldn't go to Ole Miss. He's not. He's going to be selective in where he chooses because that's going to be a very tough job in order to win. I think this next school is going to make a change, but they're probably going to go after a standing head coach. But what kind of interest do you think Jeremy Pruitt would have if Tennessee came calling? Um, I certainly think there would be a lot more interest on his part with Tennessee versus Ole Miss. Uh, you know, going back to what you just said, I certainly think um, there there is some traction there. You know, if the NCAA does their job. Um, with A.J. Brown coming to Alabama. I don't know if the Benito Jones uh, transfer would be allowed because there there was some shenanigans with Benito Jones, you know, one of the reasons why uh, Bo Davis was fired and, and has a two-year show cause um, had, had to do with some of his dalliances with Benito Jones during his recruitment. So I don't know if that would be possible. Interesting. Um, I hope I'm wrong. You know, we, we could use a good defensive tackle, but um, I, that's something to consider. But yeah, certainly, um, you know, with, with the, the the fan base, with the facilities, you know, with, with the kind of financial investment that Tennessee puts into their program, um, certainly I think that would be more attractive to Pruitt than Old Miss. But you know, that job, it, you know, has some inherent disadvantages. You know, the state of Tennessee does not put out enough, you know, SEC caliber players on an annual basis to subsidize that program. You have to, you know, kind of go back to the Phil Fulmer, Johnny uh, uh, Majors era where they were recruiting from coast to coast. And the reason they were able to do that was because they were successful. But that that's kind of one of those, you know, schools um, that has to – you have to have a recruiting footprint, you know, from a, on, a, on a nationwide basis for them to be successful just because, you know, they, they don't have enough in-state talent to subsidize the program. And if you go, you know, into a southeastern footprint, you know, you're fighting Nick Saban, you know, you're fighting Kirby Smart, um, you know, where they really used to make, uh, you know, ends meet, you know, when I was, you know, coming out of high school and when I was in college, you know, they would go to Ohio, they would go to Pennsylvania, they would go to New Jersey. Well, now you're getting into the Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh footprint. Uh, you know, Nick Saban and Tosh Lapoy go up into that part of the country and do a lot of damage. Uh, you know, they went to California a lot. Um, you know, Tosh Lapoy's doing a lot of damage in California the last couple of years, too. Um, so, you know, I don't even know if that Tennessee job would be appealing to, to Pruitt at this stage of the game. Um, just because of, you know, the, the security and comfort level that he has. You know, he, he watched what Kirby Smart did. You know, Kirby had a lot of opportunities. 
Um, you know, he, he was, you know, offered the, the Southern Miss job. Including um, Ole Miss. You know, Ole Miss. <laughs> well, Ole Miss flirted with him before they hired Freeze. And, you know, I thought Kirby was very diligent and very uh, calculating with, with how he uh, managed his career. You know, why leave, uh, you know, a perennial national championship contender to wander off into a no-win situation? Uh, you know, let's not forget that, that when Auburn hired Gus Malzahn, you know, there was a faction of, of the, the Pat Dye fan base down there um, that wanted to go into a different direction and hire a defensive-minded guy. You know, the um, you know the flirtation only lasted, you know, for, for one, you know, phone interview before, you know, Kirby decided to go, you know, one way and, and Auburn decided to go another, you know, based off of uh, the coaching staff that he would bring with him. But, uh, you know, certainly, Drew, to answer your question, um, if it's Old Miss versus Tennessee for Pruitt, certainly Tennessee wins that war. But I don't even know at this stage in the game if Jeremy would take the Tennessee job. I mean, it's just, you know, and he, he's he's working for the guy that makes all these jobs less than attractive. You know, do you really want to wander off, you know, whether it's, in the, you know, the, the SEC East or the SEC West, you know, do you really want to wander off and try and slay the king, uh, which is Coach Saban in Alabama right now. Uh, you know, until Coach Saban retires, I think every SEC school is going to struggle um, to bring in a uh, legitimate, you know, coach. And, you know, right now, just, you know, based on some things that I've heard this week, um, you know, if Tennessee decides to make a move, um, they have already reached out and talked to Bobby Petrino. Very interesting information, and Bobby Petrino, very familiar with the SEC after his days at Arkansas. Wouldn't worry me too much if I was a Bama fan, but I do think he could make Tennessee much more competitive. Uh, of course, uh, good with quarterbacks. Defenses have always been kind of soft, but again, uh, Tennessee seems their, their talent base is better under Butch Jones, but right now I think being underdeveloped and poorly coached. And before we focus on the next matchup for Alabama, and uh, kind of, in, and also uh, delve more into the uh, performance against Ole Miss. The one other question I've got to ask you is to comment on the disaster in Baton Rouge. You know, Drew, I've got some, uh, you know, some former LSU players that are buddies of mine. You know, they're they're great sources. You know, especially when it comes to recruiting, um, but. But that that's still that that'll probably go down to me as one of the all time worst bad hires. Uh, number one, and especially when you combine it with, you know, the twelve million dollar buyout. Um, I, you know, I think you know everybody's trying to you know you know put a you know Odron in the crosshairs and you know butcher him, but you know the AD down there. You know, the guy that made the decision to, you know, fire Les Miles midseason. Joe Oliva. Uh, you know, you make Odron. Yeah, you make Odron the interim head coach. And I think that's kind of where uh, Odron's, you know, expertise, you know, starts and stops. You know, a program like that in a talent-rich state where you don't have to go outside, um, you know, 150-mile radius to recruit. You know, that just blew my mind that they hired him in the first place. Um, you know, there, there's reports out there that, um, you know, even though, you know, Odron meets every Monday with Oliva, the AD, which, which is a little bizarre to me, 
um, in season for, for a sitting head coach to have to do that with an AD. Um, you know, he brought in, you know, two proven coordinators. You know, Dave Aranda, uh, Matt Canada, they brought him from Pittsburgh. And, you know, from what I heard from my LSU guys this past Monday for the, you know, the meeting with Odron and Oliva, he requested that Canada and Aranda, you know, came to the meeting too. Um, you know, personally, based on, you know, a, a track record, if they wanted to give a guy on the coaching staff the head coaching job, um, you know, I would have given, you know, if somebody stuck a gun to my head, I would have given it to Aranda over Coach O. Um, you know, Coach O reminds me, Drew, of, hang on a second, I got a helicopter flying over. Um, I would equate Coach O's hire at LSU to the Mike Dubos hire at Alabama. Um, you know, both of them, I think, are elite defensive line coaches. Uh, it was probably a stretch for both of them to be defensive coordinators, and it was a huge stretch for both of them to be SEC head coaches. But, you know, it, the, I personally think the LSU situation is much more dire than the situation at Tennessee with Butch Jones just because of the money that's involved, you know. If if Tennessee decides that they want to get rid of uh, uh, Butch Jones, you know, call up Peyton Manning or Jimmy Haslam, uh, who's a, a multi-billionaire, you know, stroke the check for $8 million and get rid of him. Um, I don't know how motivated the powers to be are at LSU, um, you know, that, that got rid of a guy that, that, that you were never going to have an embarrassing season under Les Miles. I mean, he's a solid football coach. Um, you know, I think his – the reason that Les Miles got fired was because he kept Cam Cameron employed as the OC for too long. You know, they couldn't recruit or develop a decent quarterback uh, post-Jordan Jefferson. And, you know, that caught up with him. I think the same thing might catch up with Coach McElwain down at Florida. Um, but, you know, again, uh, you know, I think Kevin Sumlin's probably in the same situation at Texas A&M, you know, if Alabama goes out there this weekend and, you know, beats them by, you know, 25 or 35 points, you know, the seat's going to get real warm for him out there. You know, they didn't spend a half a billion dollars two years ago, Drew, uh, to expand that stadium and build a world-class football facility to go eight and five. And they, you're right. And speaking of that, Alabama will be traveling to Texas A&M, and they're going to be doing so after a very uh, good offensive performance uh, for the Crimson Tide. Uh, they uh, were outstanding against Ole Miss, rushing for 365 yards on 51 attempts, 15 to 24 for 248 yards with uh, Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungavailoa combining for that, 613 total yards on 75 plays. Uh, just uh, once again, the possession time, 36 minutes of possession time, and I talked about 36 minutes last week kind of being the magic number, William. Uh, your thoughts on that offensive performance, and I really like Josh Jacobs and what they did with him as a receiver, and I'm really liking the way Brian Dable is uh, spreading the football around right now. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about Jacobs, Drew, I thought the, uh, you know, the two passes, um, you know, that Dayball dialed up, um, you know, and I think that's what we talked about back in the spring, you know, right after Dayball was hired was, you know, how he was going to incorporate. Uh, I, I think what we talked about was, 
the, the thing that was different about Dayball versus Lane Kiffin was that, you know, Lane tended to focus on one playmaker. Um, you know, in 14, it was Blake Sims throwing the football to Amari Cooper, you know, both on, on uh, bubble screens and, you know, throwing the ball deep. Uh, the next year, it was the Derrick Henry show. You know, last year, it was the Jalen Hurts show. And I just think Lane, you know, not taking anything away from him, I love the job that he did while he was at Alabama. Um, I think he's, you know, directly responsible for, you know, some better quarterback evaluations. Um, you know, Nick Saban asked him to, uh, you know, kind of take the Alabama offense into – you know, the next phase of college football, and that was, you know, you know, I'm tired of getting beat by dual-threat quarterbacks. Go find me one, and let's start frustrating other people the way we're frustrated. And, but, but you know, with Dayball, you know, it, you know, it's amazing to me that so many Alabama fans were frustrated and were being vocal and voicing their displeasure about him. Um, and, you know, look how he's responded. And I, look, don't get me wrong. Uh, Vanderbilt's defense had no business ever being ranked number one. They're Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, certainly, you know, the Ole Miss program is, you know, down and uh, depressed. But, you know, any time that you can put up those kind of numbers in the SEC, whether you're playing Vandy and Ole Miss or you're playing, you know, Georgia and Auburn, um, you know, it, that's, that's a big deal. But, you know, I loved what Dayball, you know, it's, it's almost like watching somebody peel an onion with Dayball. You know, since the Florida State game, you've seen him, you know, kind of peel that playbook off, you know, each week. They, they, they've done a great job with Jalen Hurts, you know, developing him, which I don't think he got developed a whole lot with Lane Kiffin last year. But, you know, each week you kind of see the offense expand and – you know, the, the scene pass to uh, Hill Hinches. Um, you know, the, the, the two passes to Jacobs last week versus Old Miss. Great play design. Uh, you know, and I like what he's doing. I mean, they're running the hell out of the football. Uh, the O-line is starting to gel. Um, you know, both the run blocking and the pass protection gets better each week. Now, you know, maybe we're spoiled and we won't have a, a clear picture. Um, you know, really and truly, the, the next team that Alabama plays, you know, that may have the, the talent on defense to slow this offense down a little bit and the coordinator to pull it off, you know, is when Alabama plays LSU in November. Uh, but that being said, you know, they're beating people uh, the way that I think they should. And, you know, from a conversation that I had with a uh, in August, you know, he made the comment to me, you know, listen, uh, you know, we should beat everybody we play by 50. Um, that, that's just how much talent that they have on the offensive side of the football. And uh, they're certainly uh, playing to that standard. And then defensively with Anthony Jennings back and uh, Rashawn Evans, we've already talked about, uh, the defense uh, settling in. Your thoughts on this matchup with Texas A&M? Personally, I like Alabama 45-10. to 10. I've stuck with it. Uh, I, I do think they have some weapons. Christian Kirk is a first-round pick. Obviously, they need to keep the ball away from him in the kicking game uh, and probably bracket him uh, and take him away. Uh, 
Uh, but you got a, a Kellen Mond. He, he, the, he has the mobility factor, but he's a freshman who struggled a little bit throwing. And I just got to believe a freshman quarterback, a true freshman, is going to have trouble with Alabama, even at home. And, and, and as we've talked about in the last two years, Alabama has become much more proficient at, uh, at uh, defending dual-threat QBs. Yeah, and, and you know, you know what they've been successful with this year so far is, you know, they've kind of got a, you know, a hot mess in my opinion. You know, with their passing game, you know, what they've been good at is, is running the football, and you know that that falls right into you know Nick Saban and Jeremy Pruitt's will. They're, they're going to be good, and I guess that was probably Drew the the biggest surprise to me about the old Miss game was. Um, if you'd have asked me to, you know, take a red marker and circle, uh, you know, the team that I thought would be the first one to rack up 100 yards on the ground versus Alabama, it certainly wouldn't have been Ole Miss. Um, but, again, you know, when you hold them three points and, you know, you win by 63, who cares? But I agree with you. I think the uh, – you know, I think it's an interesting game because – you know, from some of the interviews and, and, you know, not only with Jalen Hurts, but especially with his father, uh, I mean, it sounds like that family is, is especially motivated, uh, you know, to make a statement, uh, you know, 90 miles from where they live um, in Houston. That's how far College Station is from where uh, Avrion Hurts and Jalen Hurts and their family's from. Uh, I think Jalen might be you know, even more motivated than normal this, this Saturday. But, yeah, I expect it to be a, a 45 to, you know, 17, something like that kind of game. I'd be even surprised if they scored 17 points. Um, you know, but there's been article after article written, you know, the last two weeks, um, you know, about this team. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting. Um, Alabama is the only team in college football after week five that has a top 10 defense and a top 10 offense. Um, and that's, you know, points scored on the defense and, you know, 46 points per game uh, that the offense has put up. And, you know, up until the old Miss game, um, you know, that, that was without getting any type of, you know, not help, you know, non-offensive touchdowns from the defense. Yeah, and then the kicking game – uh, has been solid. Uh, Papanastas did miss one last week from 40 yards, but uh, we saw uh, the uh, the uh, 48-yarder from J.K. Scott with the with the you know room to spare. He did an outstanding job. Also punted well. And now you know it's unfortunate to get an injury to Trayvon Diggs, but we're going to see very likely Henry Ruggs. Uh, in his first full game as punt returner, he got some action on Saturday against Ole Miss and nearly took one to the house, William. We've been talking about this for the last few weeks, but very excited to see what Ruggs can do in the kicking game. Yeah, and, you know, this is no disrespect to uh, Trevon Diggs, but, you know, I think there's a chance that, you know, Alabama could be a better team um, across the board with Henry Ruggs returning punts versus Trayvon Diggs. It's, you know, it's not that Diggs is bad at it or, you know, I'm not trying to ding him. But, you know, Henry Ruggs is, is one of the most explosive, uh, you know, quick twitch guys I'm talking about in the five-yard window. Um, you know, certainly as a true freshman, probably spread out across, you know, all of college football. And, uh, you know, 
you, you hate to lose anybody to an injury, whether it's Deshaun Hand or, you know, Terrell Lewis, Christian Miller, whoever. Um, you know, I, I have yet to see adequate replacements for Christian Miller and Terrell Lewis in the, in the pass rushing aspect of Alabama's defense. But I think Henry Ruggs is more than an adequate replacement for Tremont Diggs as a punt returner. Well, that's a good segue. I'm glad you brought up the injury to Deshaun Hand. Uh, it's sad to see him go out with an MCL, but he'll probably be gone for the entire month of October. We saw LeBron Reagan on the field, so they may try to develop him in the next month. Uh, but uh, talk about who we may see uh, it, uh, it get some more reps during this uh, next uh, three games, especially a, a, a redshirt freshman I know you're very excited about from the Birmingham area who played well on Saturday. Um, you know, and I think, you know, the, the time frame on Hans' uh, return all depends on the level of the MCL sprain. Um, you know, there's varying degrees of that. I would say I would agree with you. I mean, I think, you know, best-case scenario, it's four weeks. Um, Worst-case scenario, it could spill over into six weeks. But, um, yeah, I thought Quinn Williams – um, flashed a lot Saturday um, against Old Miss. You know he was disruptive. Um, he de- he defeated his blocker numerous times. Uh, you know got after Shea Patterson, held the point well. Um, you know it, it, as far as how those guys, you know, factor in and play, I you know I think it depends on you know the offense that they go up against. Um, you know, Texas A&M is, is, you know, a team that can go heavy. Um, you know, they're, they're probably better at running the football than they are passing the football. You know, how much, you know, does Kevin Sumlin go full uh, Les Miles and, and Jimbo Fisher and try and run the ball 25 or 30 times against Alabama? For his sake, I hope not. Um, you know, if they have any chance of winning that game Saturday, it's – you know, throwing the football to their wide receivers, you know, deep down the field. That's been Alabama's Achilles heel for years. But, um, you know, it was great to see, you know, Quinnen out there. You know, a guy that, you know, I personally have been, you know, kind of disappointed in that I thought had his best game for Alabama, um, you know, since the start of the season was was Isaiah Bugs. Um yeah, it wasn't like I was expecting to be Jonathan Allen, Drew, but, you know, I thought he was more of a quick-twitch guy. You know, maybe he's playing with an injury. Um, he did a great job Saturday night of holding the point of attack and defeating blockers and making tackles versus the run in the backfield. But there was numerous occasions where um, he got penetration and got into the backfield and it only took Shea Patterson making a head fake to, you know, get away from him. Um, yeah, I think he's more well, – let me just say this. I think, you know, if Deron Payne decides to come out and go pro this year, I think he's more of a suitable replacement for Deron Payne at nose guard and the three technique than he is for, uh, you know, Deshaun Hand at defensive end. He, he's just not a guy that changes directions well, um, not a quick twitch guy. Um, and, you know, maybe that's my fault for expecting more out of him based on what I saw you know, from his junior college film and, you know, what he did during the spring. Um, you know, and I'm not being negative and, and knocking on the guy. This is just, you know, real-world observations from what I saw from him versus Ole Miss. Agreed. And uh, 
so uh you like alabama you know uh big in the game we're we're along the same wavelength we like alabama getting into the 40s uh, and winning very impressively getting a chance to play a lot of guys again against a&m and a&m's explosive alabama is going to have to come out ready to play but if they do i think that it's going to be tough for texas a&m but now to kind of end this uh bams radio a little bit uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about recruiting because Alabama is still, you know, being very selective in their class. Uh, you know, they they have they uh, the last uh, commitment was, of course, uh, the young man Vernon Jackson out of Bowling, Texas. We'll see when the next one is added, but uh, a big part of the conversation has been running back, and you know, Alabama, I, it, it's becoming more and more obvious. Uh, that they are not going to take Harold Joyner from Mountain Brook High School. I, I think they feel like there's some other guys that they like better. And the one, the great thing about Alabama is they're constantly evaluating and reevaluating. And there's been a couple of running backs that have popped up on the uh, radar. And you know, one is a commitment to Texas Tech uh, from Covington, Louisiana, that Burton Burns went to watch this past Friday, and then he visited the Alabama game for old the Ole Miss game. His name is Devin Brumfeld from Covington, Louisiana. He's 5'10", 220. Uh, he looks like a Saban back on film. I know you've had a chance to watch a couple of these guys. First, what were your impressions of Devin Brumfeld? You know, i got to be honest with you. I appreciate you sending me the film on, on Brumfeld and Curry. Um, but, but out of the two of them, I was more impressed with Curry. Um, he, he almost looks like a, uh, a Damian Harris uh very violent runner, I thought, William. Really physical. Yeah, you know, he, he, yes. Very, you know, he, he's compact, uh, quick twitch, explosive, breaks a lot of tackles, you know, has, has game-changing speed. Um, you know, when I was watching the film that you sent me on Brumfield, the first thing that jumped out of my, you know, jumped out to me was, you know, he's probably more comparable in my mind, you know, if you start, if you want to compare him to a, you know, a Nick Saban era running back. I thought he was more T.J. Yeldon um, than anything. And that's not to say that he's not a, a great player, but out of those two guys that we're talking about, um, I, I found Curry to be more impressive uh, because I saw a lot of the characteristics that makes Damian Harris so dangerous and so good, um, you know, out of Curry. And, you know, we'll have to wait and see, you know, if, if the LSU train continues to derail off the tracks. Um, he's probably going to decommit and open his recruitment back up. Um, you know, the current Auburn commit, you know, into that mix as well. Uh, Asa Martin, you know, Alabama's going to chase Asa Martin all the way to National Signing Day. Um, I agree with you. I, I just don't think that um, Harold Joyner is an Alabama take at this point. I don't know if he ever will be. Uh, he's got some great concerns as well, um, but but out of those, you know, the, out of the Harold Weiner, Asa Martin, uh, Curry, and Brumfield, you know, if I had to put a, you know, a, a take out of all those guys, I would I would take Curry, the first guy. Yeah, and he's listed at five eleven two oh five, but he's certain or uh, in around uh, two hundred or a little over, uh, shade over two hundred pounds. He certainly looks like on film that he uh, runs bigger than that. He runs bigger than that. You know, Damian Harris isn't a big guy. I mean, he's right. you know, he's 5'10", 5'11", very thick, you know, 225. And that, that's what I, you know, jumped off the page to me um, from those huddle highlights that you sent me was, um, you know, I felt like I was watching, you know, an angry Damian Harris versus Vanderbilt and Old Miss. 
Um, you know, he has a lot of the same characteristics that, you know, it's funny because you look at that and you're like, okay, so this guy to me looks identical to Damian Harris coming out of high school. And Damian Harris was a five-star and the number one running back in the country. You know, why isn't this guy more highly thought of? You know, maybe it's because he committed early to LSU. Um, you know, again, trying to get a player out of the state of Louisiana is already always difficult. But, you know, I think that that's – I think he's an elite running back. And out of those guys that we talked about, you know, if Alabama can't flip Ace Martin, uh, you know, Curry would be the next one on my list. Yeah, no question about that. I think – uh, Curry, to me, I watched Brumfeld. He's impressive, but I was more impressed with Curry. The inside word seems to be because of the disaster that's LSU right now that he may decommit, and he's from Lehigh, Florida. So we could look at Alabama trying to get uh, involved with Curry. I think Alabama wants to take one running back. I think if they take a tight end, they'd like to flip Dominic Wood Anderson from Texas, but if they can't uh, flip the young man, uh, from the Longhorns and Tom Herman. I think they're going to add another defensive lineman or defensive back. Wouldn't be surprised if they take five DBs. Uh, but, again, uh, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how the recruiting class uh, works out because with a lot of these schools struggling uh, in the SEC, uh, a lot of their commits are shaky right now, and Alabama is going to have myriad of options uh, to fill out their class, no doubt about it. Uh, including a quarterback. You know, they're still uh, involved with Jaron Williams and Emory Jones. Uh, Justin Fields has announced tonight via Twitter that he will commit at his uh, pep rally tomorrow around 10.45 a.m. or so, uh, you know, so and which I think uh, it, which is, would be uh, 11.45 uh, our time. Uh, but it looks like I think Justin Fields will probably commit to the Georgia Bulldogs, though Florida State is also heavily involved. I don't really think it's going to be Auburn. He just visited Alabama officially, but I think we can look for Justin Fields uh, to end up at either Georgia or Florida State, and he will be off the board. Uh, but uh, very interesting, to say the least. But, uh, I, 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 but it's going to be uh, now interesting to see where Alabama goes from here uh, as far as uh, for this football team. I, I still think uh, they're going to be very impressive this weekend against uh, Texas A&M. I just think it's a bad matchup for the Aggies. Uh, I, the Aggies might be competitive for a half, but I really think Alabama is going to pull away in the second half and be able to uh, play, once again, a lot of young guys, which is – and, uh, William, the last question for you before you go on this BAMS radio, uh, a big topic of conversation has been, are these blowouts good for Alabama? Do they need to be tested? Uh, one uh, just take from Jordan Rogers of the SEC Network that I saw today that mystified me was he said he wanted to see how Jalen Hurts uh, responds to adversity. I guess he's already forgotten that uh, he led a team back on the road last year, 24-3 to in Oxford, Mississippi, and then led his team down the, down the field in the national championship game to take the lead with two minutes. But personally, I think it's good for Alabama to hammer these teams and get a lot of young guys' experience. Your thoughts? Well, going back to the recruiting aspect of it, Drew, and, and you know, this, this, you know, there's a caveat in there, um, whether or not the NCAA drops the hammer on Ole Miss. If they do, and if things continue to, you know, go bad for, for LSU, and I think they will, um, you know, people in the recruiting business know a lot more about it than I do, claim that both of the states of Mississippi and LSU for the 2019 recruiting class claim that both of those states have a once-in-a-generation talent level coming out of that 2019 class. So 
you know, as hard as, as Nick Saban has recruited the state of Mississippi and the state of Louisiana, you know, there's an opportunity there uh, for them to really come in and, and, you know, take some, some great players out of the state of Mississippi and the state of Louisiana, number one. Um, you know, when you, when you look at what's going on, um, you know, people talk about, you know, the 2008 class versus the 2017 class. It ain't even a conversation. The 2017 class that Nick Saban signed is easily the best recruiting class I've ever seen any college football coach sign, number one. Um, as far as Jordan Rogers' comments, I totally agree with you, Drew. Um, did he not? You know, let's take the, uh, the the knockout shot that I thought Jalen Hurts wouldn't get up from last year versus Ole Miss uh, when he got ear holed. But let's talk about, you know, the, the same play where Derek Barnett here hold him at Tennessee in Knoxville. And, you know, both of those games where he got the ear hole shot, he, he jumped up and responded with a touchdown drive after both of those plays. So, you know, uh, you know Jordan Rodgers may want to concentrate more on, on his experiences being the bachelor on the reality show uh, versus commenting on SEC football. I mean, I realize he was a – player at Vanderbilt, but you know, he ain't his brother. And no. he might not he might want to brush up on his SEC football knowledge before he spouts off again. Yeah, I would think uh I think they'd rather uh, Cole Kubelik actually give uh, some analysis considering I know he went to Auburn, but at least he uh, half has some sense. And I thought Jordan Rogers that no, was no, like no, a, no, no. Let me tell you something. Ridiculous. Let me tell you something about Cole Kubelik. Mm-hmm. Um you know you know, he went to Auburn, uh, and I respect his loyalty to his school. But as an analyst, especially when it comes to O-line, D-line play, the guy's got my respect. He knows what he's talking about. Yes, he does. Um, when, he starts putting up, when he starts putting up film clips on his Twitter, you know, I've looked at him off for the last couple of years. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he really does, and he's one of the rising stars, I think, in the profession uh, and uh, really does a solid job, but again, just mystifying sometimes what some of these analysts come up with, and uh, uh, again, I was uh, I just wanted to get your take on Jordan Rodgers, but again, I like Alabama 45-10 to reiterate over Texas A&M and College Station, and William, once again, give your give your pick. I'm going to, you know, piggyback you, Drew. I mean, I think it could be 45-10. Um you know, if, if especially if Alabama gets up early on them, you know, like they did Old Miss and Vanderbilt, and you know the the seven five stars come into the game, whether it's you know halfway through the third quarter or beginning of the fourth quarter, um, you know they're going to put up points. Um, you know they got a great second team offensive line, they got a great backup quarterback, they've got Najee Harris at running back. Um, you know all those you know young wide receivers in that recruiting class. You know, it could get uglier than 45 to 10. I'm not going to rule that out. But I think that's a pretty good uh, jump-off point for that game. Um, you, you know, I, I, I question a little bit um, because I watched that, that meltdown that Texas A&M had versus UCLA, which isn't a very good football team. Um, but, you know, they've got some quit in them too, just like we saw um, – uh, with Ole Miss this past Saturday, you know, if Alabama can jump out and get up, you know, to a 28- or 31-point lead, you know, going into the halftime in the locker room, 
you know, you can see all those, that young talent unleashed on them in the second half. And, you know, it could get worse than 45 to 10. But I agree with you. I think that's a, probably a, a pretty solid prediction. And, uh, William, we always appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for joining us on BAMS Radio. Uh, it's been a quick hour, but it's always like the Crimson Tide should be an interesting night, 6:15 on ESPN, Alabama in College Station, trying to uh, to beat the Aggies for a fifth straight time and continue the hot seat for Kevin Sumlin. But thank you, man, and uh, we look forward to catching with you again next week. Great thoughts. Hey, thank you, Drew. I enjoyed it. Thank you. And finally, I'm going to bring in my compatriot Thomas Watts. Thomas. Uh, another quick hour of BAMS radio, but before we go, I've got to get your thoughts on this matchup. I know I talked to you Monday. Do you still like Alabama big in this game? Oh, I like Alabama huge. Uh, I think that, you know, Williams' uh, point about quitting is is not to be ignored. And I think this Alabama offense is continuing to find itself, and it's finding more and better gears. And, you know, I, I'm going even bigger. I've got Alabama 59-17. I, wow. A and M and M just doesn't have it. I'm sorry. They have it. Armani Watts, you know, Murph Baldwin on my other show, Alabama Scheme Team. We do a draft every go around, and uh, the only guy on A and M's defense that Alabama would even sniff would be Armani Watts. So mm-hmm. I, I really, I think Alabama is playing at another level. I think for whatever reason they've got to be in their bonnet from the end of last year and some of the early season. I put this in air quotes struggles. And because of those two things, Alabama's just going to chew up subpar teams. And Texas A&M, I'm sorry, they're, they're just not very good. I think I'll, I'll, I will reiterate what I said on your show, Drew. Right now, there are only four or five teams in the country that have the talent to keep up with how this Alabama team's playing or slow it down. A&M is not one of them. And uh, good thoughts there from Thomas as well. We all like Alabama hey, big hey, in Thomas, the game. The, 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 yeah, I want to. I wanted to ask Thomas this. Sure. Um, you know, this has been a hot topic. You know, with ESPN. Um, you know, Thomas. You know, we're sitting here. You know, going into the first weekend of October, and you know, there's a lot of people that you know. Boy, I think it's kind of split fifty-fifty. I think there there's fifty percent of the college football world that wants to see this, and another fifty percent that might be you know tired of it and want to see you know, fresh teams out there. You know, from what I've seen, Thomas, um, and, you know, it's it's still really early. We're talking about the first weekend of October. But would you say that maybe we're staring down the barrel of Alabama versus Clemson part three? Yes. If you take – if you ask me, if you take chalk the rest of the season, Alabama cruises on through – I, you know, the only two games that Alabama really has to worry about, if you ask me, is Auburn or not? Yeah, it's Auburn and Georgia, assuming Georgia doesn't fall off the face of the planet for some reason. And then going into the playoff, you get a little bit more of a toss up. But right now, I would think Alabama will stay at number one. They'd get number four. Number four is probably going to be the Big Ten champion, particularly if it's Ohio State, because Oklahoma is going to roll on through. Oklahoma State still has not figured out this. There's this thing called defense, and they need to play it, you know, once in a blue moon. So if it if if the four are uh, Alabama, Clemson, uh, Oklahoma, and Ohio State, I don't think Ohio State. I think J.T. Barrett is the worst quarterback 
at, at, at in the top ten by a fairly wide margin. I just don't think he's any good. And he won't beat Alabama. He couldn't beat Alabama in 30 tries, let alone one where Nick Saban has 35 days to prepare. And, you know, I think – Well, let me ask you this, though. Do you you really think – and this is me playing devil's advocate. Go ahead. Do you really think that urban Ohio State is going to roll through the Big Ten and beat Penn State? Well – I you know, I think Penn State and again I am not, you know, arguing with you. I'm just playing devil's advocate. No. The only but, reason But I think I think Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So, no, no, I, you... uh, but what I was gonna say is I, I think Penn State um, you know, has two players on their offense, the quarterback and the running back, um, that, that could both emerge as Heisman trophy candidates. And I totally agree with you. I, I don't know you know, what's happened to J.T. Barrett, you know, since he blew his knee out. But, you know, that's kind of the, the, the urban, you know, no pun intended, the urban legend about Urban Meyer. You know, he, when he lost Dan Mullen, when he lost, you know, Tom Herman at Ohio State, he's brought Kevin Wilson back up there. And even Kevin Wilson, you know, has struggled to, you know, put up ridiculous numbers with J.T. Barrett. I agree with you. I mean, there's there's something fundamentally wrong with J.T. Barrett. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I just see it as, you know, and again, you know, when the college football playoff committee comes out later this month and, you know, they do the rankings, I really hope they give it to Clemson. You know, don't get me wrong, I'm an Alabama fan, but you know, they they got the better body of work so far of who they've beaten in Alabama. I really hope they make Clemson one, Alabama two. And by the end of the year, does it really matter who is three and four? Now, now to answer that question, I don't think it matters who is three and four. But to go back to why I have Ohio State still winning the Big Ten over Penn State, I think, first off, remember last year, the game was in Happy Valley, and it was really fluky. Penn State won the game, goes on to win the Big Ten. Well, this year they're coming to Columbus, and I think that Ohio State and Penn State, or at least you know, as teams within orbits, you know, a decent orbit of each other, and I would take Ohio State because it's a home game this year. And should Ohio State get past Penn State, I don't really buy into the Michigan hype. I think their quarterback situation nope. astonishingly is worse than Ohio State's. And Wisconsin I totally agree with you. And Wisconsin will find a way to do something ridiculous. I mean, they it took a safety to prevent Northwestern coming back on them. And you love Pat Fitzgerald, you love what he's been able to do with Northwestern, but come on, you're a top 10 team. You can't let a, a team backdoor you in the fourth quarter. That's just ridiculous. Right. But, but, you know, just to go back to your first, your central question, I don't think it matters who's three and four. I think it's Alabama and Clemson's world, and everyone else is just playing football in it. I totally agree. Well, great, great stuff, guys, and we're going to wrap it up here. But another great edition of BAMS Radio. We hope the fans enjoy it. And uh, 
and uh, we'll we'll uh, be catching up with you again next week uh, after the game uh, in uh, College Station to re uh, rehash Alabama's performance against the Aggies and look ahead uh, to the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, good night, everyone, and we hope you enjoyed this edition of uh, BAMS Radio tonight. Uh, I want to thank Thomas Watson and, of course, William Redfish Barger for joining me. I'm your host, Judy Armin. Good night, everyone, and roll tide. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.